Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Rock Squad podcast, your destination for the latest in rock music news, reviews, and discussion. I am one of your hosts, Mr. Nick Chino. I'm joined by my co-host, is Dave Marini. Hey, buddy. How's it going? Hey, everyone. Before we get started today, like always, make sure you go down there and you subscribe to this wonderful video and you like it and you follow us on Instagram, you follow us on Twitter, Rock Squad Podcast. Also, myself and Nick play in a fun little rock band. Our stuff is available at foolsunion.com. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple Music. It's on YouTube Music. You can buy it anywhere. You can stream it anywhere. Enjoy it on us. Nick, my friend, how are you doing? Doing all right. I heard you got your, your second vaccination. I hear you're ready to rock now. Is that true? I feel superhuman. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I was, I, I'm, I'm ready to rock, man. I'm ready for festivals. Um, my, new, my new name is Open Mouth Dave. <laughs> everything's coming at you yeah get ready i'm a, I'm a hugger and a kisser now i'm coming out of this stronger than i went into the into the pandemic yeah all sorts of bodily fluids yeah <laughs> well let's give the folks a rundown of what's going on with the show this week we're going to get to uh, our headliner topic in just a little bit talking about aerosmith could they ever play live again? That is this week's headliner topic. Then we'll get to some opening act topics, which are some of the latest uh, topics in rock music news. We'll be talking about a Beach Boys box set for uh, their Surf's Up and, uh, and Sunflower albums. Rob Zombie is directing the Munsters and the Foo Fighters are bringing rock back to Madison Square Garden. That's on our opening act topics. But first, let's get to this week's sound check. One of our favorite bands, Canadian or otherwise, just released a new single. Ian Thornley and Big Wreck are back with a new song called Middle of Nowhere. Um, this is a cool song, David. I don't know if you listened to it yet. It is Big Wreck, which is awesome, but it features one Chad Kroger of Nickelback on it as well. So I don't want to get into a Nickelback conversation just yet, but have you heard this song from Big Wreck yet? Um, I actually did hear the song. I, I'm a huge Big Wreck fan, so uh, I'm always eager to hear what um ian thornley has uh kicking and what he's putting out um yeah man it sounds you know pretty uh standard big rack for uh having uh chad kroger involved i know that they've they've kind of uh they've worked together before they've done some songwriting before for some nickelback stuff i think uh thornley played some slide guitar and some nickelback stuff now personally i am i'm not opening the can of worms of the nickelback uh issue right now or lack thereof whatever yeah. let's talk we could have a whole whole series <laughs> a whole channel devoted to that topic yeah. but um you know you can't take any credit away from nickelback they've uh, you know they're one of the top selling canadian artists of all time if if not north american artists of all time uh they've managed to maintain a rock band and stay together for almost three decades and yeah man so don't take anything away from them fan or not um, but the the big wreck song, I, I I liked it. It was to be honest, it wasn't uh, it wasn't my favorite thing that they've released in the last little bit. But it was interesting nonetheless. You know, you got those you got those big guitars and uh, you know really catchy uh, melody for the chorus. But as usual for that band, because that's what they do best. But uh, it wasn't lacking anything. It just didn't it didn't bite me the way that uh, I need music to bite me right now. So. Uh, so yeah, I, I I thought it was okay. I'm gonna say it's an okay. Definitely worth checking out. Uh, what did you think of it? It was a little bit more chill than I expected. Uh, I expected it to hit a little bit harder. It was a little bit bluesier than I expected. Yeah, there was sure. uh, a cool riff in there that I thought was cool. But I think I, th I I think you and I are on the same page in that uh, it didn't quite you know bite bite us the way that we were hoping. 
Um, because yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I recommended on a show, I don't know how many weeks ago I recommended on the show, uh, a song from their last album that came out in 2019, which is called But For The Sun. Um, there's a couple of tracks that kick off that album. There's Voices and Locomotive, which are these huge, catchy, uh, punchy rock songs. And obviously Ian Thornley is an incredible uh guitar player and vocalist. And I know you don't want to get into the Nickelback conversation because we might be opening up um, a can of worms. For me with Nickelback, I lost them along the way, but I still go back to maintaining that um, the state, which I think, I don't know if it's their debut or the the sophomore record, um, the state with leader of men old enough, that was still a great record. Um, and then when you get into the silver side up there with how you remind me, uh, I did like that song when it first came out. Uh, so I do have to admit that about uh, me and Nickelback. So I don't know, like with Chad Kroger on this song, are we allowed to like this song? Is that okay? <laughs> or you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make everyone happy right now, and I'm gonna give a positive Nickelback note. Yeah, uh, I, I've seen Nickelback a few times me in my too. life, like maybe probably like four times, I think, <laughs> in different uh, in different environments. And uh, I have to say, one one year I saw them, I think. It was at an edge fest or at something. And uh, I'd have to say that their pit during that leader of men era, leader of men, yeah, leader of men yeah. era, uh, was one of the roughest mosh pits I have ever been in. And I don't want to toot my own horn, but I've been in, you name it, I've been there. The Slayers, the System of a Downs, the Sepulturas. The, I've, I've seen a lot of really heavy bands playing live. And... I was very surprised. Like I got beat up more in that nickel nickelback pit than I had ever been beat up before. So that being said, I think it was all right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, it's the fiery rage of nickelback fans who knew that they were, that they were so aggressive that they had so much energy to get out into a mosh pit. I've seen nickelback uh, a couple of times as well. I don't know if it was as quite as crazy as you're, uh, as you're saying, but, uh, but yeah, we, we'll, we'll go with it. This is okay. We prefer big wreck without the Chad Kroger, if possible, very much looking forward to, yeah. uh, to more material from big wreck and some new music from them. Uh, another thing we want to get to in the sound check this week is a couple of big uh, rock releases coming out this Friday for New Music Friday, one of them being Mammoth WVH. Wolfgang Van Halen is coming out with his debut solo record. And this was uh, a record, uh, I haven't heard the whole thing, but a bunch of the songs that have come out before the release of uh, of the Mammoth WVH stuff. Um, it really took me by surprise because I do enjoy uh, my fair share of Van Halen. I wouldn't say I'm a gigantic Van Halen fan. I enjoy my fair share of Van Halen. Not to say that everything that Wolfgang Van Halen has to be connected to his uh, dearly departed father, may Eddie rest in peace. Um, he's forging his own path. Not everything has to be connected to Van Halen, but there is that name and name and familial connection. Um, but this is a record that really snuck up on me. Uh, it hits hard, especially the single You're to Blame has been one of my favorite singles of the year so far. It kicks a lot of ass. It really, really is a great rock song. And uh, he plays all the instruments on this record. So looking forward to that. And then there's another one, a uh, greatest hits compilation from Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds called The Back uh, The Way We Came. It's coming out this Friday. Are either of these uh, releases exciting to you, Dave? Yeah, man. I, I love every, I like, uh, I can't wait for both of those. Like um, the Noel Gallagher project. You know, it didn't obviously doesn't get as much attention as like the Oasis stuff. And to have to have those compilations, is this the second compilation thing or is this the first? It's the first uh, best of they put out. Yeah. That first best of. Um, yeah. So like, yeah, they definitely have enough songs to fill up uh, a best of. And 
I've, I've talked on the show before about how great they are live and uh, yeah, I, I'm excited, man. I can't wait. Can't wait to hear like, you know, just, it's always good to have a fun compilation. You know, you, for, you miss a song here or there or like, you know, like the mm-hmm. third single of a record that, you know, you didn't, you didn't catch. And then you jump back in and you get the best all in one shot with the, what the band thinks is the best. Like this is what right. we're trying to do. You know? Yeah. And when Noel Gallagher said recently in an interview that uh, he has no desire to go back to, to playing with Oasis. And I, I understand that because as a gigantic Oasis fan myself, I'm happy to see the Gallagher brothers doing their solo thing. Uh, to me, you get twice as much music. You get double the fun with the Gallagher brothers right now yeah. because they're both putting out music and they're both putting out high quality stuff too. Um, Noel Gallagher is still a great songwriter on his own. Liam Gallagher leans a little bit more on, on co-writers and producers to help him put out his stuff. But in the end, the, the end result for both projects is still really, really strong, I think. Yeah, for sure. What was the, what was the first new release that you mentioned? Uh, the Mammoth WVH, Wolfgang. Dude. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the uh, Wolfgang stuff. All the singles that they that he's put out so far are really, really good. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you're right. It's it's not, you know, you don't have to be a fan of Van Halen to like this. I think just hard rock fans in general, I think he's done a really good job with um, keeping his own vibe while paying tribute to, you know, obviously there's going to be a comparison. You can't not, yeah. but I think he's taken a good approach. It's a little bit more uh percussive hard rock where it's you know because he's playing the drums and the bass and the you know a little bit like you know a little a little bit like melodic tool at points some of those songs have like you know that's that kind of rock you know and that's cool i think it's great and uh, i'm actually that's one of the the projects that i'm really excited to finally get to see live if they start doing stuff and uh when everything opens up it's one of those things that you're kind of waiting to come to town to go check out yeah he's gonna open up for guns and roses on their u.s tour coming up this summer so that'd be a pretty solid uh solid little show i think yeah for sure wolfgang and and guns and roses and we'll definitely do a rock album review for the new wolfgang van halen mammoth wvh record that's coming out this friday so keep your eye on the channel um, for that, but let's get to the opening act topics on this week's Rock Squad podcast. Some uh, some big uh, news items that are happening in the world of rock music news. The first one being that the Foo Fighters are going to be playing Madison Square Garden uh, for the first gig there in almost 500 days. Uh, they're going to be returning to the famed New York City venue for the first performance there since March 2020. Dave, it's been that long since uh, a band has graced the halls of Madison Square Garden. Uh, the gig's going to be happening on June 20th with a uh, full capacity crowd that has to be fully vaccinated. Uh, Dave Grohl and the boys promised on Twitter a very long night of rock and roll celebrating 26 years, 26 glorious years of the uh, of the Foo Fighters. So, um we're, we're nowhere near New York City right now. We're in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. But uh, I'm pretty excited for this. You know, the return of live music, but mainly the return of the Foo Fighters, because I think this is going to be um, a very cathartic and very um, therapeutic experience for uh, for all the people that are going to be going to Madison Square Garden to go see the Foo Fighters. And I'm hoping that this is going to be a hell of a party. We may not be there. But, uh, you know, there better not be a curfew. There better not be somebody calling time at 11 o'clock for the house lights to go up because I have a feeling that uh, that Dave Grohl is going to have a lot to say at this show and a lot to sing as well. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I'm super stoked. I'm glad they're the band they picked to do the big return. And uh, it's, it's good, too, because everyone was waiting for last year, of course, they were going to do the 25th anniversary band tour 
which was like they had a, they had a bunch of ideas for it and it probably would have come. It was going to come here. It was going to come to Hamilton and they, they didn't come. Yeah, it didn't come, right? So uh, hopefully that this is like a like a, you know let's forget about it. Let's <laughs> let's move on upward and onward. And I think Madison Square Garden, obviously a historic venue and uh, kind of the the center of entertainment for the East Coast for you know since the beginning of time. So it's it's amazing, man. The Foo Fighters are great. Um, they're definitely one of the best rock, hard rock, rock bands um, ever. So the fact that they're in their glory right now, and uh, the, you know they're you know, you know one project after another, um, and they're it's it's still qual- it's still quality. Whether it's a book, whether it's a documentary, like their uh, you know their popularity right now is super hot. So um, yeah, keep it going. I, like anytime a rock band gets praised and gets pushed in a way that you know people are going to pay attention that's good for everybody in my books yeah definitely yeah it's good to see the return of uh of the Foo Fighters I I don't even want to know what the set list would be because I would hope that it would be extensive reaching into all the various aspects of the Foo Fighters catalog from every album to every b-side um and it got me thinking about the times that uh, I've seen the Foo Fighters I don't know I think you've seen them a bunch of times as well um speaking of you were saying you know, crazy mosh pits. Um, sure. Perhaps one of the craziest mosh pits I've ever been a part of was when the Foos played Arrow Hall in Mississauga in 2002 on the One by One tour uh, when they played All My Life. This is actually a show that's available on DVD. They filmed it for the DVD. Did you go to that show, Dave? We read that together. I did not. I did not go to that show. Yeah, but Arrow Hall, when they did All My Life and that song kicked in, the mosh pit was absolutely insane. Uh, Molson Amphitheater, I think I saw them in 2005 on the In Your Honor tour. Um, where I saw them front row, which was not planned, but saw them front row. And then uh, saw them at the, at the Molson Amphitheater again in 2015 when Dave Grohl was on the throne after he broke oh, yeah. his leg. And um, that was a very extensive show as well because he ended up, I think they ended up playing longer than, than three hours, maybe three and a half, four hours. And he was on the throne. He was talking a lot <laughs> during that show. Every song was an extended jam. It didn't matter what song it was. Monkey Wrench, Best of You, Everlong, whatever. Every song turned into this extended uh, jam, which was uh, which was pretty cool. I thought that was enjoyable. Yeah, they do. They have epic shows, man. Uh, I, I've been in a few really good uh, Foo Fighters pits. Um, not, uh, I've been in some really like strange Foo Fighters pit, pits too. The, one of the last times I saw them was in Chicago for the Wasting Light tour. Yeah. And, uh, I was there with a friend of ours we'll call her mystery woman X, uh, because <laughs> during the set, someone urinated into her shoe while we were watching the food. It was the crazy, it was a, it was kind of a wet sludgy night and everyone was really gross and festively yeah. and people were just pissing and it was <laughs> it was when you're in a just crowd pissing. when you're in a when you're in a, in a crowd of two hundred thousand people at a rock show right in the middle and it's been raining for a few hours outdoors <laughs> i don't know man like we were we were losing shoes like we had to go get tetanus shots oh, it was man. it was not a good scene but unfortunately a good friend of ours i'll mention it after the show um we were standing there and i saw her and she looked down and started losing her mind on the guy beside her and then that guy scurried off into the crowd and i said what, what just happened what just happened? did he grab you she said he pissed in my shoe he's a urinator he's a urinator and everybody <laughs> booed him while he you know, probably went to go roofie somebody yeah i don't think dave Grohl would approve of people pee, uh, pissing on other people at a concert but 
it's out of his control. You don't pee on people in a pit. Come on. <laughs> it's not a piss pit. It's a, it's a rock pit. Sweat only. Maybe some vomit. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's very cool. Yeah, I, I suppose at Madison Square Garden, the, uh, the conditions will be somewhat controlled compared to when you saw them in, uh, in Chicago. So hopefully, fingers crossed, things go off without a hitch for the Foo Fighters at Madison Square, at Madison Square Garden and nobody gets pissed on. That would be the- if you're looking to guarantee a no piss a piss pit in Madison Square Garden. I don't know. I'm not taking those odds, man. That could yeah, happen. It could New happen. Change. We'll see. We in a couple of you know when this uh, concert happens, we'll see. We could be reporting about it here at the Rock Squad podcast. Could be very, could be yeah. very scandalous. We're gonna have reporters on the ground <laughs> rep- reporting on the piss pit. This is the Rock it Squad podcast live. Dry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the humidity level on ice on the ice surface. What, what I, I feel a warm stream. Uh, yes, it's definitely piss. Rock and roll is definitely back, everybody. <laughs> That's That'll be the first indication. All right, yeah. let's get to our next uh, opening out topic on the Rock Squad podcast, and that is the Beach Boys releasing a new box set called Feel Flows for the Sunflower and Surf's Up uh, era, the 50th anniversary of the those two, uh, I guess... I would say classic. I don't know if a lot of people in general would say those ones are classic. They're going to feature five discs and 108 previously unreleased tracks uh, recorded between 1969 and 1971. You got some alternate mixes, live stuff, isolated vocal tracks, which makes sense for a band like the Beach Boys. Uh, And uh, it's going to be coming on July 30th. They just released an unreleased song called Big Sur. Uh, which you can check out on streaming uh, services. And uh, and Dave, uh, this is actually very funny for me because I'm a pretty big Beach Boys fan, but last year around this time, uh, during the first lockdown and quarantine that we were going over, I, I, th- I said to myself, you know what? I need a listening project. Like I really want to dig into a band's catalog and listen to every single song and every single album. So I listened to every single Beach Boys album from front to back, they have something like 30 records uh, in their catalog. It took me, this was over a couple of months. It was a very prolonged um, experience. And it was hilarious after the fact, because then Spotify thought that the Beach Boys were my favorite band of all time. And my end uh, end of the year playlist was all filled with Beach Boys. So uh, it was quite an undertaking. But the thing is, is that I came to appreciate the different eras of the Beach Boys because we know obviously the early the early days when they were the you know everyone's favorite surf rock band, everyone's favorite car club band. Then they moved into the Pet Sounds era and then they burned out with Smile. Um, but these two albums, Sunflower and Surf's Up, are actually um, they're pretty cool, and I think they're actually I think they're actually really really good. Brian Wilson was scattershot between all these different albums he only would appear every once in a while but there's some really great songs uh slip on through is a good one tears in the morning forever came from these sessions which obviously we know that uncle jesse covered on full house and sang to uh, to aunt becky that was a big song for the uh the rippers and then uh, other members were stepping up for the beach boys during this time mike love al jardine carl wilson dennis wilson obviously um whenever whenever brian wilson wasn't around but uh, what what's your mileage with the beach boys i don't know if we've ever really We've never really talked about them. I, you know, the Beach Boys to me, uh, they're like the earth to me. They're they sit in the same place as like a radio head, you know, like where I like I like different eras and different flavors of them. Yeah. I was unaware. I, I don't really know all the story of the Beach Boys. With so d- when Brian Wilson was dealing with his depression and stuff, is that when it became a little bit more Mike Love and everybody else kind of yeah. stepped up and he yeah. just backed off. He was never like. 
out. He was just like backing away. He would come, he would kind of come in and out. So they made pet sounds and then he went to go make smile. And that's when that became unreleased and he burnt out after that. Um, So after that, Carl Carl Wilson stepped up and became the leader of the band and they started playing live a lot more. They went out and started playing live as, as that, that combination, Bruce Johnston came in started doing more stuff and then brian wilson still wrote songs for the albums and some of the songs from the smile sessions would trickle out but he definitely wasn't like the driving artistic force of the band crazy i i didn't know that i've never really uh like i i've watched lots of stuff like i know all of the stuff about like the manson family and like yeah. all, all that crazy shit and like dennis wilson and all that stuff but uh yeah i was unaware of like the like the timeline i always felt like it, they didn't really, they haven't really explained it well, you know, there needs no. to be a good deep voice movie to like, mm-hmm. you know, to like show that like when he came in, because he was such like, he was the Beach Boys. Yeah. And then he, you know, it's like, and then he just completely backed yeah. out, but didn't really. And that's, I think, confusing. Yeah. Well, he's still going like, strong now. Like, you, you know, Brian sure. Wilson has been for the last, he finished Smile. That, yeah. that ended up coming out in 2005. Yeah. Then they released, they re- actually did release the Beach Boys version of Smile um about 10 years ago it came out in 2011 the full album everything came out so that was cool and it's a very great great record um both versions the brian wilson version and the beach boys version but it was funny because i was on instagram earlier and there's brian wilson announcing a show coming up in la and i find that so heartwarming that through all the stuff that he went through um that he's still out there playing and singing beach boys songs that makes me that makes me very happy is it is it that he doesn't get along with the beach boys so that's why they do separate things or is it that he, he, because he he has those sensitivities and that um that kind of uh a mind it makes more sense for him to just do what works for him when he can do it is um, that well, what it is or I is there like an issue mike love i think owns the the name beach boys so oh. mike love is the one who goes out and tours as the beach boys they did have a reunion in 2012 they made a record called that's why god made the radio which was with brian wilson all the original members that were still alive okay. obviously carl and dennis couldn't be there uh, but the rest okay. of them all got back together and that was pretty cool and then they broke off again and uh and mike love you know continues on with the beach boys name and brian wilson is out there with Al Jardine and uh, Blondie Chaplin who played with the band. Um, They're out doing a tour as well. So I guess you get the best of both worlds. Yeah, that's really, that's really cool. So, so when he started to back away, that's when Mike Love became more of the band leader and that's why he kind of has the creative on it. A little bit. Carl Wilson for a long time was, it was, it was the the main force. And then Carl died in the late nineties, I believe. And then Mike Love definitely became the, the driving force but not so much in the studio just as a touring band they're they're road horses for sure yeah for sure and then so at what era who made the executive decision for uncle jesse when did john <laughs> stamos get come into the well way? john stamos he played with the beach boys in the 80s he would play drums and percussion yeah. with the beach boys as a musician and so when he finally got onto full house that's why he had an end to always say you know they, they would have episodes hey the beach boys are here the Beach Boys randomly showed up in our basement and we're jamming with the Beach Boys and we're in Hawaii with the Beach Boys. Um, so that's why, you know, he has that uh, that strong connection with them. So Uncle Jesse really was a ripper. Yeah. He's ripping it. <laughs> ripping for forever. I, I actually follow John Stamos on Instagram and uh, 
I have noticed that he's he's actually on tour right now with the Beach Boys. Yeah, doing go. like you know doing the Florida resorts and stuff. Like, yeah. um, that's got you know that what what how perfectly targeted is that audience? You know, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I, you know, we go we we come for Kokomo, we stay for John Stamos. Yeah. You know? <laughs> But yeah, Kokomo instead. Kokomo was a resurgence for the band in the '80s. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. On the cocktail soundtrack, the Tom Cruise movie, yeah. classic. All right, let's get to our last opening act topic, and that is Rob Zombie is going to be directing a new version of the Monsters, Mon- Monsters, 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 Monsters. Monsters. Uh, he's going to be doing a film version based on the classic '60s sitcom. He's known for his music, obviously, but. We know that Rob Zombie is a, a seasoned horror movie uh, director. Halloween 1 and 2, the remakes, The Devil's Rejects, House of a Thousand Corpses, 3 from Hell. Uh, there's no details about casting, who's going to be playing the monsters in this film. Um, uh, but what, what do you think of this, Dave? I, I know, you know, we're, we're fans of Rob Zombie's music, kind of. I, I love a little Dragula and Living sure. Dead Girl as much as the next guy. Uh, but I can't say I'm a huge fan of his uh, his movies and his filmmaking. What about you? Oh uh, well, so, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things. There's a, that, he's definitely good for the genre of horror he does. You can't really take that away from him. If you're into slasher picks and all that stuff, that's definitely um, you know he sets the bar right now for that kind of thing and has for a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I love Rob Zombie and White Zombie. Like you know, like we've uh, you know th- they're one of those influential hard rock metal bands that has influenced a lot of the ba- other bands that we like, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, he's in the, the phases of zombie have been interesting too, you know, like he's a little more industrial sometimes. He's a, he's a little more like metal sometimes. So, so he's a, he's a fun act and one of the best live shows you'll ever see ever. It's, you know, it's nonstop. There's strippers and robots and fireworks and, it's just endless, endless supply of entertainment when you go see him. It's definitely, definitely a road show. So yeah, I love I love Rob Zombie. Now the monsters, I'm not sure the angle they're going to take on this. So you know, I don't know is it if it's going to be as graphic as the movies he's been making. Is it a TV show or is it a movie? I think it's going to be a feature film. Feature film. So I think if I think if he lightened up a little bit, like if he just you know brought on some like. You know, had like more of a Ghostbusters vibe than a yeah. slasher vibe, you know, like where everything's kind of tongue in cheek. There's some funny lines some good characters. I think it could be really good. It could be, you know, the monsters. Is, it's an, you know, it's like, you know, like kind of like an Adam's family kind of vibe, mm-hmm. like definitely. Uh, yeah, I, I dig it. It's definitely the right person, especially if he's willing to do it. It's just for me to enjoy that. I, I hope he kind of dials it down in the. Uh, graphic department i I know there's going to be a ton of people right now that are like no (laughs) he's got to stay true to the slashers it's got to be unwatchable and that's fine and i'll probably still watch it but um some of some of the some of the scenes in some of his movies are are tough to stomach sometimes so uh but you know everyone has their taste so um, i'm excited i think that he's a good director uh whether or not you like his uh you know his approach or his genre of filmmaking, but uh, yeah, it's going to be great, man. We'll 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 check it out. I'm not I'm not going to give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down until it comes out because you know, like Witches of Salem, you know, sometimes he tries something that's not not that good and it doesn't work, or it should be good, but it doesn't end up that way. Actually, 
he was making, um, I was excited for a while. He was making a, a movie called the uh, Broad Street Bullies. And it was about the 70s uh, Philadelphia Flyers team. And like, so it was like going to be a bloody guts hockey movie. <laughs> That's a Simpsons like, joke. They did that in the Halloween episode of the Simpsons. When all yeah. these evil people show up uh, in the Simpsons living room, they're like, you know, Lizzie Borden, the 76 Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah. <laughs> the Broad Street Bullies, bud. Like, I, it was like, it was legit. Like, people getting hacked in the back of the head. And like, we're, we're talking before helmets and mouth guards. And, you know, so people were slapping pucks at 80 miles an hour to people's uh, goalies are all cut up. So he was going to do like a realism view of, you know, this is what it was like. But I heard they couldn't get the licensing from the NHL because the NHL doesn't want to portray mm -hmm. something so graphic, especially with all the brain injury stuff. And like, it just wouldn't be a good, good look for the NHL. So then they had to do it. They would have to change the flyers names and it just didn't have the same appeal. It doesn't have the appeal anymore. So I was really excited for that, but monsters let's, uh, let's see how the monsters go. Roll the dice on the monsters. Actually, uh, uh rob zombies halloween the first one is the only movie i've ever gone to that i wanted to walk out on uh, oh, really? <laughs> yeah and it's funny i didn't end up walking out on it and me and my my, my girlfriend at the time when we, when we went to go see it we both wanted to walk out but we didn't say that to each other uh, uh, because we were like oh maybe they want to watch it and i don't want to bug them but we both wanted to walk out and it's not so much um the violence in that movie that bothered me because you can kind of get desensitized a little bit to horror movie violence, but it was the yelling and the swearing. Uh, I don't know if it was this past year or the year before that. I rewatched re all the Halloween movies. And when I got to Rob Zombie's Halloween, I was, I was like, all right, it's been, it's been over 10 years since I've seen this thing. I'm going to pop it in and I'm going to give it another shot. But within the first 20 minutes of the movie, it's just people yelling and swearing. And not, it's not that I, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not Puritan. It's not like I can't hear swear words. I could throw my fair share of F-bombs as much as anybody else. But it was just so unnecessary. And it's just bad filmmaking in that regard. I've never seen um, any of you know, the Devil's Rejects or the House of a Thousand Corpses. I've never seen any of those ones. I have a feeling I probably wouldn't like them. Um, I, like I said, I enjoy some Dragula. When Halloween comes around, I'm I'm rocking the Rob Zombie as much as anybody else. But uh, as a filmmaker, I'm not so sure about his his style. I don't know how that's going to mix with the monsters because I imagine the studio that wants to make the movie wants it to be somewhat family friendly or at least marketable in a way that they can sell some toys and some merchandise and some Funko Pops and some action figures because that is the point of taking on an IP like like the monsters so fingers crossed that it will actually be something that uh people are going to want to watch on a on a mass scale yeah <laughs> rob zombies the monsters we'll see when it comes out in movie theaters whenever so those are our opening act topics for this week's rock squad podcast let's get to this week's headliner topic and this is concerning a band that is dear to both dave and i i think we can both pledge allegiance to aerosmith will they ever tour again Aerosmith guitarist Brad Whitford did an interview with Joe Bonamassa, another great guitar player, and he said he didn't know if the band would ever perform again. Their European tour that they had booked and is now rescheduled for 2022, and their Las Vegas residency got cut short because of COVID-19, as did everything else. Uh, and he doesn't know if they're too old to, to hit the road again. And when I read this, uh, this news, Dave, I was kind of bummed because um, Aerosmith, for me, Oasis is 
always considered for me to kind of be the, the genesis of my love of, of rock and roll music. But Aerosmith was really the first band that I, I loved uh, in the 90s and especially in the, in the mid nine, early, early to mid 90s. Big Ones was the first album I ever bought on CD. Um, the first concert I ever went to was Aerosmith at Cops Coliseum here in Hamilton in 1998. Uh, they're the first band that I ever really, really loved. Um, and I'm thinking that they, they maybe should pack it in at this, at this point. If they can't really bring the goods to the stage, especially when they have to do something like a Las, a Las Vegas residency, which seems to me to be kind of a, um, kind of a, a long-term thing that, that might not be able to sustain itself. Um, they have that, but then they also haven't really been in the studio either. It's been 10 years since the release of their, uh, their last album music from another, uh, another dimension, which I thought was a great record. I thought that was a, a, a solid final studio effort if, if that's what it is. But then even on that record, when you listen to it, you can tell that Steven Tyler's voice is not quite what it is. Steven Tyler to me, it, it might be the best vocalist of all time. Your, your mileage may vary depending on who you who you love as a vocalist, but just in, in terms of pure vocal ability of being able to reach those notes and just sing the way he he can, uh, Steven Tyler is up there for me. But I don't know um, if these guys, you know, have what it takes still. Do you think that Aerosmith still has what it takes to keep going? Well, first off, you know that uh, I'm a huge Aerosmith fan. That's something that we have bonded over uh, the years, you know, um, making music together and stuff. We're a huge fan of that band, especially the late 80s, early 90s, into the mid 90s, that whole, like up until Nine Lives pretty much. Is like, yep, Nine Lives. is like our section of Aerosmith. And uh, they're definitely uh, one of the top, we, we talk about this all the time, like American bands. Yeah. Like what bands from America from the 70s and the 80s are like our top five. And they're definitely if not number one or number two, like they're definitely my top five. Um, I've been lucky enough to see them. You've been lucky enough to see them, but they got issues in that band. They got issues with Joey Kramer. They have issues with Steven Tyler. They have issues with Joe Perry. Joe Perry wants to be a vampire and hang out with Johnny Depp. Yeah. He doesn't want to pick up Steven Tyler when he falls off stages. That's pretty much what's going on. Yeah. So, and the fact that them and Joe, um, Joey Kramer can't get along right now, it looks, eh, it doesn't look good for Aerosmith. I, I, I love them and I, and I wish they would, but maybe it is time, you know, like they haven't, like you said, they haven't been in the studio for a while. Um, you know, they, it maybe, maybe the, you know, they definitely have less time in front of them than they do behind them. So yeah, maybe it's time to call it a day, go out on a high note, you know, you went out with like a residency in Vegas and, having fun and doing all that jazz, but maybe, I don't know. Do you want to see, do you even want to see Aerosmith without Joey Kramer? Not really. Yeah. They were, they were locking him out of rehearsals because they thought that he wasn't up to task to play drums for them. So that was, I think a year or two ago that that was happening. They were locking him out of rehearsals and then they figured that whole thing out. It, I don't know. At this point, it doesn't really seem like it's worth carrying on because these guys are getting older, not to say that they still can't put on a great show because I'm sure that they can, but a lot of bands don't really get to put an exclamation point on their career and end it on their own terms. And when, as far as, you know, what's in terms of classic rock bands that are still going strong in 2021, I think the stones would be the only other band that would be comparable to Aerosmith. I, there might be some other ones, but you think about it. Aerosmith still has all five of its original members 
which is absolutely insane to think about at their age, this long into their career, it's 2021. These guys have been around for 50 years (laughs) and they're still going strong. The five original members of Aerosmith are still in the band. So let's, uh, let's end it on a high note. I don't know if that means doing a final show, maybe, they do have rescheduled dates for the European tour and for the, the Las Vegas residency. I don't, that means going back and just doing a limited run of shows just to give everybody some nostalgia trips before they call it a day. But I don't know, man, I think, uh, I think they've run out of gas. It seems to me. Yeah. I'm not sure how they're going to handle it. Uh, you know, you say that about them, like the longevity of that band staying together and stuff. And it's funny, like we were just talking about like our top five American bands, and mine, um, almost all of them have stayed together the entire time, like pretty close. Like the, the other one of the other bands on my list would be ZZ Top. Right. And the other band on my list would be like, if we're talking top three, would probably be Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Yeah. So it's like those are three, three groups that have stayed pretty. Like, you know, I know Tom Petty had a drummer in and out for a while, but pretty tight knit guys that have made great careers. So, I don't know. Does there have to be one show? Does there have to be a special? Does there have to be? I think they probably want there to be one big glass hurrah that they can sell some vinyls and, you know, some put some stuff on some streaming sites or something. Um, and that, you know, that's something that we don't talk a lot about on the show either, that um, no, none of the streaming services have really jumped on board with a live concert stream. And I'm not really sure why that is. I don't know if you, do you know anything about that? You're, you're on the inside of the, uh, <laughs> of the, like, do you know why there hasn't been like, you know how there's like comedy specials and yeah. there's, there's like, you know, plays and improv specials and stuff. There just doesn't seem to be any funding going into, oh, like, you know, like, like Aerosmith at MSG for like, you know, like they're, yeah. I wonder why, I wonder why that is. I wonder why um like you know there hasn't been more of a push in that direction on streaming services i'm not sure maybe because the live concert industry is such a uh, it's an it's an in-house experience right when you go to a concert i enjoy watching concert films too but i think more than anything a concert is the type of thing that really needs to be experienced um when you're there and i think even through the pandemic a lot of bands have done live streams, but none of them have really taken off. It didn't really take root that this is going to be the future of live music. Everybody was basically holding out that this is just a stopgap until we can get back to the real thing. And I think that's what what really matters in, in live music is that you're there, you're seeing it live, you're getting pissed on um, and that kind of thing, right? You can't replace that, uh, that experience. So that's what I would say. So I, I don't know, that's not necessarily an insider you know, uh, insight, but I would just think that you can't replace the, uh, the real concert experience. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's, I think that's fair to say, man. I, you know, that being said, if the border were to open up tomorrow and Aerosmith said, okay, we're going to do three months of residencies in Vegas. Yeah. And then that's it. You know, like we're, we're doing it in Vegas and then we're ending it. I I might trek down to see a show, (laughs) like just, you know, I, I, I hate regretting, like I have seen Aerosmith, but I hate like wanting to see a band more and then it's too late. Like I, yeah. I made that mistake with uh, Tom Petty. I had so many opportunities and I love Tom Petty so much and I just pushed it off and pushed it off yeah. and now I can't. So it's one of those things. <laughs> so I think I would love to see those guys do it, but it would have to be the full band. 
you know, it would have, everyone would have to be there. Um, yeah. I kind of have the same vibe as Kiss because the last time I saw Kiss, it was full original lineup. So I refused to go back. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I'm like, I got it. I got the Ace really. I got the Peter Chris. I don't need any more. Right. I don't need any more Kiss, you know, yeah. but yeah, hopefully they, uh, they figure something out and it's at maybe release something. Maybe I won't go see it, but maybe I'll watch it on a streaming. Yeah. You know? I've said it before that bands just don't break up like they used to, um, yeah. especially nowadays. You can't break up a band if it's a recognizable brand name. It's a recognizable, uh, a recognizable name that everybody knows. You can't break up a band anymore. The way no. the music industry works, everybody is just trying to get a slice of the pie. Everybody's trying to make as much money as they can from a very, very small pool of cash. And so, sure. you know, I remember in the 90s, you think about Chris Cornell, you think about uh, all these different singers that went solo, all these different bands that broke up. Um, that was during a time when they were making more money. And then you get into the period of the 2000s into the 2010s where it's you, you can't give up on a, a recognizable brand uh, and you have to wring that out as much as possible, especially nowadays. So we'll see if Aerosmith will continue or if uh, they'll call it a day. I, either way, again, I got to see them live just like you. And uh, I have that memory for the rest of my life. I'll hold it very dear, very sacred. <laughs> that is our uh, headliner topic for this week's show and that is our uh, rock squad podcast we're gonna wrap things up but before we do we're gonna do our tracks of the week if you want to keep up with all of our rock music recommendations every week on the rock squad podcast you can check that out right now on uh, spotify at the rock squad uh, track of the week playlist so dave what do you got for your tracks of the week what have you been listening to okay i got i got two great tracks they're both feature tracks so last week on the podcast, we were talking about how we like Rivers, Cuomo Rivers. from Weezer and how he collaborates with a lot of people. And I had mentioned an AWOL Nation song that I heard. And so one of my suggestions or recommendations this week is a song by AWOL Nation. It's called Pacific Coast Highway in the movie featuring Rivers Cuomo. It's on all the streaming sites. You can check it out there really cool song and my other song that i've been really into right now is a new release from the band uh, the pretty reckless nice and it's uh it's the new song that's featuring tom morello from rage against the machine and so it uh, went song, and so it went by the pretty reckless it's a really cool song if you're uh you know if you're in need of a tom morello solo that's mm. in there all sorts of weird beeps and bops and tippity taps and that thing so it, it definitely will fill your need especially if you missed out on the rage tour this last summer that got canceled or sorry rescheduled until 2022 um it's a really cool song they're a really cool band she's a great vocalist um under underrated uh, hard rock band right now maybe they're maybe they're not underrated but uh, they do they do get a lot of love but uh if you don't know the pretty reckless um cindy lou who from the grinch who stole christmas <laughs> taylor momson yeah She's all grown up and she yeah. sings in a hard rock. So I, I did um, a, a rock album review when the album came out a couple a uh, couple of months back. That's one of my favorite song, my favorite rock songs of the year so far. I love the uh, sure. the chorus. The world does not belong to you. You are not the king. I am not the fool. Yeah, it's great, great lyric. lyric. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, so that's a really good one. Um, so yeah, those are my two. AWOL Nation with Rivers, the Pretty Reckless with Tom Morello. Go check it out. You can get it wherever you get your music also if you're in the mood for some music it's summertime you're sitting out back myself and nick chino play in a rock and roll band called fools union you can get all 
of our music online, anywhere you stream music, Apple Music, YouTube, Amazon. You can ask Alexa right now. She <laughs> will do it for you. You can also find us online at www.foolsunion.com. You can get merch there. You can look at pictures. You can look at videos. Um, everything you need is in one place. Also, follow us, the show, at Instagram and Twitter, Rock Squad Podcast. Drop a line down below. Subscribe to the video. Like the videos. Anything else, Nick? Did I forget? I, I didn't give my tracks of the week yet. That's hold on. I, I lost it right at the end. I lost my ear. <laughs> Uh, I didn't. Uh, my tracks of the week are uh, the Noel Gallagher song "Flying on the Ground" from the new uh, compilation that's coming out on Friday. It's a classic Noel Gallagher song. Great songwriter, cool. uh, and also a song by Daywave, which is one of my favorite dream indie pop rock bands. Uh, a song called "Ceremony," which is a cover of a New cool. Order song. So yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a cool tune. Yeah, and you can follow me at the Walking Nick. Uh, yeah, Fools Union Rock Squad Pod. That's what we do around here, right? <laughs> rock on Dave we'll see you next week rock on Nick <laughs>